Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise and create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today. This is Kevin Brooker. Welcome to Cruising Through Retirement. Well, you guys know, I'm sure everybody realizes that Financial Literacy Month has just come and gone. And so coming up on today's show, we're going to do a little bit different today. We're going to have a family feud format for financial information. And we're going to cover a few topics and uh, hope you guys find this interesting. Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. Kevin is an investment advisor representative with more than 30 years experience. He's helped thousands of people cruise through retirement, and he'd be happy to help you too. Stick around for today's adventure on Cruising Through Retirement. Welcome in, everybody. This is Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Kevin has been helping folks for better than 30 years. He is an independent fiduciary investment advisor representative. Silverleaf Financial is where you'll find him. Silverleaffinancial.com is the website, and that website is also home to uh, Kevin's book called The Millionaire's Guide to Tax-Free Money for Long-Term Care. Great read, and it's available for free on the website, silverleaffinancial.com. Hi, Kevin. How's things? Oh, things are good. Things are good. And uh, I appreciate you mentioning that book, Steve. Guys, please check out the website, silverleaffinancial.com, silverleaf, leaf like a tree. And uh, you'll see the book is right there on the cover page, on the homepage. Uh, I can send you a digital copy or uh, or the full old-fashioned paper book if you'd like the paper copy. Uh, all you have to do is just uh, put in a little bit of contact info, and I'll be happy to send it to you. And guys, this can show you how, if you want to position yourself for long-term care, if the need arises, and you'd like to be able to do it in a way that you could pay for it with tax-free money, then by all means, check out the book. We go over how we can do it, how we can help you do it. And uh, that alone would save you you know, 20 or 30% right off the cost of what can be a very, very large cost. Right. Okay, great stuff. And uh, again, silverleaffinancial.com. So, all right, here we go. Uh, the 2023 ERBI, the employee, uh, uh, what is that, the the Employee retirement confidence. Yes. Yeah, the retirement confidence there. Let's just call it that. And again, that, the confidence yes. apparently is waning uh, for a lot of <laughs> a lot of Americans. So we've created a little game uh, in the realm of family feud. <laughs> apparently, we haven't worked out all of the technical glitches yet. But, okay, so it's the same thing uh, with Family Feud as it is uh, on uh, on TV, where if you get it wrong, you're going to hear this. And if you get it right, 
you'll hear that. So, wow, and there, okay. but the, Kevin, the thing is, there's no wrong, right or wrong answers. They're all answers because they're just answers to surveys. Uh, right. But we're talking about in a particular order. We'll take the top three of a survey of 1,011 working American adults. Um, uh, the question was, what are their top concerns among those worried about their financial future? It seems pretty obvious. The well, to me, the big thing, the, probably, you know what? I'm looking for Richard Dawson to come in here any minute now. Oh, right? I know. So, and I used to love that show as a kid. When I was when I was young, I always I wanted to. I, I actually applied my my for my family to go on the show. Did you really? And, wow. Yeah, I really did. But uh, we never heard from them. So so anyway, but I'm going to say it's going to be not having enough money. Yes, well, right? absolutely I mean, right. I think I think that's I think that's. <laughs> There we go. There we go. There you that's, go. That's got to be the big one, right? It's uh, how big is your piggy bank, right? Yeah, how much right. money have you put away? Yep, um, exactly. And, and you know, I think just the cost of living, obviously, is is among the top answers as well. Oh, no quite. I was going to say inflation and the cost of living has got to be one, especially in the last couple of years, you know, because inflation has roared its ugly head. Oof. And all of us have seen it, no matter where you go, what you buy. Uh, it's more expensive, much more expensive now than it was just you know, a few years ago. And so that's got to be a concern for retirees trying to figure out their budget and their planning, how much money they need to save in order to pay for things in the future, you know, 5, 10, 15 years from now when you don't know how much inflation we're going to see. And we're going to have to put a handle on our debt as well. And people are concerned about that. In other words, um, so not having enough money, 68%, keeping up with the cost of living, inflation, 56%, managing debt, 45%. And that really is, uh, I think that kind of plays out well. You know what that and and that and that does make total sense to me. I, I am. I'll admit I'm surprised. I don't. You know I don't know the age of the people. Um, right. That were that were in this survey. I know it was adults, but that's you know pretty pretty broad range. Yeah. Um, you know, so if these are a bunch of folks that are in their 60s, then I then I I actually feel a little bit shocked. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but uh, personally, I don't advocate. I don't recommend having any debt going yeah. into retirement. So managing the debt level, uh, I'm surprised that so many people replied that way. Um, but. If it is a situation that you've got, the one thing I would suggest taking a look at, look at the interest rate you're paying on your mortgage. If you have a low interest mortgage, like a 3% mortgage or something, then it could make perfect sense to continue that. You know, Let's say, for instance, you've got your retirement money in a fixed interest contract making 5%, and you're paying 3% on your mortgage, it would make sense to keep the money earning the interest, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it all comes down, it, it does come down to the individual situation, though. Sure. And uh, all right, so there we go. We've got another survey, 587 working Americans uh, who were not confident about they will live comfortably. And again, it's, it's kind of is the same grouping of, of things. But what do you think tops that list? Yeah, well, since to we're just talking about it, yeah. to live comfortably, I'm going to say inflation, since we're just talking about inflation and the cost of everything. And, oh. and I remember my wife, you know, it's, I guess we have a traditional relationship in that, you know, she does most of the shopping Yeah, and, and she come home and say, I can't believe the price of eggs has gone up to five bucks a dozen. <laughs> I know it's crazy. And, right. And, and me being as, you know, <laughs> I don't step my foot in stores very often. So I'm like, okay, well, how much did they used to be? <laughs> and so, so, but the fact, oh, sorry, number two anyway, <laughs> that, 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 that's okay. The fact is, you know, I think with the last year or two we've been going through, it makes perfect sense that people, you said working adults with the survey. Yes, working adults, yeah. You know, and so that's why it makes sense to me that inflation would be, uh, you know, either one or number two. And uh, it's definitely a concern that we've got to factor in. We've got to figure out how to, uh, how to budget for it. And so we need to make sure we've got plenty of extra cash, especially those first few years of retirement. You don't want to be just cutting it at the wire right away because if you do, inflation is probably going to knock it out for you, meaning you are not going to have a really comfortable retirement. 
if you start off just having enough to pay your bills. And another concern, of course, is, uh, you know, are we going to be in a recession and how is that going to impact me? Well, no, yeah, no doubt. Well, again, since we're talking about working adults, it, it makes total sense that one of their top concerns is a recession because that could mean they lose their job. And, and you know, that's a sign. The typical signs of a recession, uh, you know, is unemployment going higher, right? Yes. And pe people losing their jobs. And unfortunately, right now, I mean, depending on how you look at it, you're right, are you glass half full or glass half empty? Uh, the unemployment rate right now in this country, I believe, is at a 50-year low. It's like three and a half percent. Yeah, it's and nothing. It is a very, very low unemployment rate, and it really has not gone up much at all um, in in the last you know in the last several months, and so that's going to create a problem um, because employees are demanding wage increases, right, to keep up with the cost of living and inflation that we were just talking about. So employees are demanding wage increases. Uh, we've got the highest the highest employed the highest the largest number of people that have a job, I believe, is the highest has ever been. And we're paying them more money. So we got more people working with more money in their pocket. That means we've got more money chasing fewer goods, which is the definition of inflation. So that concerns me as long as the labor market remains so strong, I think it's going to be really hard for the Fed to get inflation down to where they want it. Wow. But again, they're, they're speculating now that it's, uh, you know, the, the rate hikes are over for now. Do you believe that? It, no, I don't believe it. Okay. That. Okay. Um, I, I know there is speculation about that. I, 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 I don't believe it yet based on the data that we're still seeing, like I said, with, with employment being so strong. Um, the CPI report that just came, just came out this week was favorable, um, but that means it was below 5%. I think it was like 4.9. All right. So, but that's still more than double, right? The rate that the, that the government, that the Federal Reserve is seeking what they would like because mm -hmm. they want it, you know, two, two and a half percent. And so it's still pretty high. Uh, I think wages were up six or seven percent i believe the last report that i saw over the last year that's a pretty significant increase oh yeah uh you know and so i just i just keep going back to to the textbooks and the uh, that, that i learned way back in the day and it's and it's that definition of inflation too much money chasing too few goods that's what drives up the price sure. right demand yep. mm -hmm. you've got the demand for it so so that's what I'm having trouble wrapping my head around personally. Now the consensus right now is that the, the is that the Fed is going to pause. That doesn't mean they're going to cut rates. It means they're going to stop raising rates. And so um, if you hear the word Fed pivot, then that's going to imply that they're going to start to cut. And right now, for the record to come to come full circle, um, not only does the market expect right now that they are done hiking rates, but if you look at swaps, you get some technical some areas of the stock market that are called swaps uh, with bonds and things like that, they're actually indicating that the market is expecting some the Fed to start cutting rates this summer. And I personally don't, I personally don't see that happening. It, it looks to me like the economy is too strong that they're going to start cutting rates. Um, but also you got to ask yourself, well, what does that mean if they start cutting rates? Is that good? Is that a good thing? And, and then obviously people, anyone that borrows is going to say, yeah, it's a good thing because hope they're hoping for lower interest rates. But if you're looking at what it means for the overall economy, if they start to cut, that means they're scared that the economy is slowing down too fast. So I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing. What I'm hoping for is a pause, just stop raising rates for a while. I'm hoping the data comes down, inflation comes down. And, and I'm, I certainly don't like to see people lose their jobs, but I have a hard time understanding how we can get inflation down to where we want it without people losing jobs. Right. Well, I think you make a good point. 
and then see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I I I I appreciate I appreciate that, Stephen. I think, and I'm not the only one voicing that concern, by the way. Oh sure, I, yeah, I would agree. The uh, okay, so here we got another question. Uh, top six answers. We won't necessarily hit all six, but this is a uh, 1,153 working Americans. Again, it goes to concern about getting to retirement. What do you think will be missing, basically, or what do you think will prevent them from living comfortably in retirement? I would say a reduced Social Security check. Yes, absolutely. That- that would be my bet. Not, is, that legit? And I didn't, is that a legit concern? I mean, for anybody that's, say, within 10 years of, of retirement, should it should they be concerned? God, I, I hope not, because <laughs> I'm, I'm in that age group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I certainly hope not, but the way that it looks to me is they're going to do nothing. If I had to place a bet right now, my bet is that they do nothing, and that forces a cut of 20 to 25% on future retirees. I don't know ages. I don't know when, but I know that's a shortfall. The estimated shortfall is between 20 and 25%, okay? Um, and just, guys, to be clear, th- this program is not going away. There is no indication it's going away. The indication, though, is that there, there's, well, I shouldn't say indication, the facts are that there's not as much money going into the system as, 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 as the ratio. The ratio in terms of the number of people working that have jobs that are contributing to Social Security and paying the payroll tax, the ratio when it first started, it was something like 10 workers contributing for every one retiree or, or maybe even higher than that, maybe 12 to one. Sure. But, but now I don't want to say it's down to like five or six to one. Um, so, so and that a lot number's only going to get smaller, right? I mean, as, as more it, baby boomers retire and leave the workforce. No question about it. Cause the baby, the baby boom generation remember is, is, is uh, 48 to 64. So anybody born between 1948 and 1964, that's a whole 16 year span, right? Where mm-hmm. we had lots of babies. And, and so that whole generation is retiring. The number that I always used to hear and that people talk a lot about in this industry is something like 10,000 people a day are retiring. Right. And, and so you've got this massive amount of people retiring um, that are obviously counting on their social security check. Um, and, you know, so, so what it makes me want to say for a political moment, maybe vote Democratic if you want to maintain social security. If you wanted to get cut, then stick with your Republicans. Um, so I have not, I have not seen or heard any Democrats say they want to cut it. I haven't heard or seen any Republicans say they want to maintain it uh, in its current form at the current levels. And, and so to me, the reality is they're not going to do anything and, and that's going to force a cut down the road. Um, you know, and I hope that doesn't happen, but what I'm advising everybody to do is to anticipate a 20 to 25% cut in whatever the projected benefit is and make sure that we've got a cushion over and above that. So you're gonna, we're all going to need extra sources of income. We can't just count on Social Security. We need to generate our own can, income from other accounts that we have, other savings accounts, investment accounts, annuity accounts, you name it. It could be real estate. It could be any number of things. But we need to figure out a, a, a way to give you additional income because your Social Security is only supposed to be one leg of this three-legged stool. It should, it should only represent about 40% of your income. So what I say to people is look at your Social Security check. And, 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 then, and then whatever is, then do the math, right? Two and a half times your social security check is what you should be able to generate on your own. So if you're going to get two grand a month, you should be able to bring in 3000 a month from other sources. Okay. I mean, again, that just, but, but that just is something that you do every day. And that's how you put that plan together. It's, it's just based on math. It, it's strict. It's yeah. 100% math. And, uh, sometimes you get a little bit of creativity in there. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, and then what it, what it really comes down to 
what I feel like it comes down to is there's, there's a segment of the population that wants assurances. They want guarantees. They want to know exactly what they're going to have, right? And so for that group of the population, I stick with guaranteed products and I recommend guaranteed sources of income because then to me, it makes this so much easier because I can say here, if you put in X, you put in a hundred grand, Mr. Jones, and you're 59 years old in five years, it'll pay you maybe 800 bucks a month, maybe 900 bucks a month, but we can run the numbers and then we can see exactly what it'll pay you. One nice thing about an annuity I'm referring to, I'm referring to an annuity that has a guaranteed lifetime withdrawal benefit which means they will guarantee, they contractually guarantee that they will pay you for as long as you live. Even if your account value goes to zero, they will continue paying you and sending you that same check every month, even if the account goes to zero. So personally, that's what I'm doing for me and my wife. Because the other thing that I look at, Steve, is not just the lifetime income, but also what I'm doing personally, I'm getting contracts that have what's called a healthcare doubler. And what that means is whatever amount of income you're supposed to receive, if you, if you fall into a situation where you need some assistance with care, uh, and, and, and so the, so guy, folks listening, you may have heard of the activities of daily living. Yeah. This is how all the companies determine whether somebody qualifies for long-term care or for some sort of assistance based on this need. And it has to do with things like walking around, dressing and eating and bathing, things like that. So if there's six of them, if the doc, you get a doctor to certify that a person needs assistance with at least two out of six, that qualifies you. So in this case, the, the healthcare doubler, what it means is that if we're supposed to get 3000 a month in income, uh, normally that's guaranteed to us, if we qualify and the healthcare situation arises, then that 3000 a month will double to 6000 a month for a max for up to five years. It's not for lifetime, but it'll pay it for up to five years. And then after that, it will revert back to the 3000 a month. So, so the way I look at it is that it's going to provide me and my wife lifetime income because I'm going to set these up for joint lifetime payments. So no matter as long as, so, so whatever payments we're getting, let's say it's at three grand a month, that same 3000 after one of us passes away, the surviving spouse is going to continue to get that exact same amount of money. She won't get any less because I'm gone or, or, or if it's the other way around, it doesn't matter who doesn't matter who passes first. The surviving spouse will keep on getting that same check. All right. And the same situation applies. The healthcare doubler is still available. Okay. So to me, it's a backup insurance policy that'll give us extra money if we do need some help with long-term care. Maybe, you know, the way I look at it, I want to stay in my house as long as I can. Everybody I meet feels the same way. And so the idea is to get some sort of home health care. So you want to make sure. If a policy like this is interesting or you look into it, you need to make sure that it will pay you for home health care. Okay. Don't make a mistake that you have to be confined before you qualify for the health care payment. Okay. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I just walked down this path with you and, and it just, it just makes so much sense. I love the healthcare doubler. I, I think that I imagine that as a piece of equipment <laughs> attached <laughs> to my annuity. <laughs> it, 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 it is, it is. And the reason I want to stress this guys, these, these are very, very important topics and they're very important features that you need to make sure are part of the policy that you choose to go with and you choose to put your money into. All right. So it's su very, very important, super important. Okay that you make sure you're working with somebody that has a lot of experience with these because they do not all have this. All annuities do not have these features, okay? 
it's very important to understand all annuities are not the same. And although a lot of writers like to talk about them like they are, they're just not. Okay. And it's important. That's a fact. And I'm happy to show you the differences. I'm happy to go over the pros and cons of each one of them. It's not free. You notice I have not said it was free. Okay. Because it's not, there's a cost to it. So just like you pay a cost to insure your home, you pay a cost to insure your body, yourself with medical insurance, you pay a cost to insure your car. It's the same thing here. What I'm doing is I'm paying, paying a cost. When I get these, put these policies in place, I'm paying a cost to ensure that they pay me every month, even if I live to 110 years old. And I want that healthcare doubler feature because I don't know if I'm going to need long-term care. My father lived to 93, right? He was great until he was like 90, 91. He, he lived by himself until he was 90 years old. And, and was perfectly fine, was still cutting his lawn and shoveling his driveway. Hmm. Unfortunately, that's when he fell and broke his hip and his, and his, uh, his hip and his leg. Um, and luckily the neighbor saw him, so he didn't freeze to death. But that was the last thing my dad did on his own before we had to put him into a facility. Sure. Uh, and then he went, he went from independent living to assisted living, and then finally to memory care after a few years. Um, and he passed away at the age of 93. But the reason my dad was comfortable is because he had a pension in addition to his social security, and he had union healthcare. So all of the health situations that him and my mother went through, they barely had to pay maybe a hundred bucks, a couple hundred bucks, wow. even though the bills were over a hundred thousand um, because they had an excellent health insurance plan. All right. So, so it's important to look at all of the things that are out there and make sure that you're prepared based on, based on what may or may not happen in your future, because we want to make sure you're covered. I want to make sure everyone's got enough money to do what they want, to, to have as much fun as they want to have, however they want to do that, without worrying about where their paycheck is going to come from or whether the stock market crash is going to mean they have to go back and get a job. Right, right. I mean, again, the, these are the things that uh, you can sit down and talk with Kevin about. He'd be happy to talk with you. Silverleaffinancial.com is the website. You can reach out to Kevin right there. I'm going to give you a phone number in case you want to just call him direct. It's 800-975-6717, 800-975-6717. All right, I want to do one more question as part of this whole family feud thing, and uh, it okay. involves okay. 2,537 working and retired Americans the top five answers. So the big question is, who do they trust most with their finances? Oh, well, I, well I've got to say that's their, that's their financial advisor, I hope. Uh, well, of course. <laughs> well, I mean, again, that would make sense. But I, I think so many times, though, people are, are you know, relying on, you know, the, the, the water cooler talk. We've talked about that before. Yes. Uh, you yes. know, or your cousin who knows everything. Uh, you know, I mean, it, yeah, I've got those, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, and then, well, more legit, though, I mean, you, some people said, uh, well, 13 percent said that they they, uh, they trust representatives from the workplace retirement plan. Boy, they must be about 25 years old if they do that because they don't have to worry <laughs> about it at that point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I'm hoping those were really those were people in their 20s that said that because th that's fine at that point, at, point, oh, yeah, at, right. at that point in life. Um, that's fine. And and maybe even into your 30s. You know, and, and I don't have anything against the retirement plan providers, but but typically those folks that come to your job, to the site of your employment, and they're, and they're representing the plan, they're signing up for the 401k, things like that, usually they're very young. Usually they're in their 20s. Yes. And, and, and so, and, and again, not saying anything wrong with it, but is that if you want a fully, you know, a well-vetted, experienced advisor, you know, somebody that's 25 years old might not be the right solution for you. 
Um, you know, so I think it's perfectly fine to figure out your allocations to start with. But as time goes by, as you get maybe into your 40s, definitely into your 50s, you want to find a personal financial advisor, somebody that has a great deal of experience. And when I say that, I mean at least 15 years of experience is my suggestion. Uh, and I would also recommend a fiduciary that you know is putting your interests first, that's legally bound to put your interests first ahead of theirs and ahead of their firm. All right. And at the same time, you need to realize that only half of the industry works to the fiduciary standard. Half of this industry does not work to that standard. And you want to be thinking about the very biggest of the big when you think about that, because those are the companies that fight enforcement of fiduciary standard because they don't want the liability. They don't want, they don't want to have to be responsible for their 12,000 financial advisors <laughs> all having to be a fiduciary. Right. Right. So they're the ones that are, they're the ones that are fighting it. And you can check, check a good newspaper, a good source of media, and you'll be able to verify that for yourself. Um, but you want a fiduciary, you want some, I think you want somebody independent because if they're independent, they can look across the entire universe of investment products and they can recommend what's best for your situation, regardless of who the provider is. All right. Okay. Because the big comp, the big companies, just like think about your, think about a store, you go to a grocery store, right? They sell what they sell. They sell what they have, right? You could go in, you, if you can go in there and say, you know what I heard, well, Whole Foods has this wonderful product. Why not? Why aren't you selling it here at Safeway or Kroger or something? Right? They sell. They they got a limited. The management decides. Okay, what goes on those shelves? It's the same thing with brokerage businesses. It's the exact same thing. Management decides what's going on their shelves. Management decides what their advisors can recommend. It doesn't mean that it's everything that's out there, guys. And in fact, in in very 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 few cases, is it everything that's out there? And I know this firsthand because I used to work at big brokerage firms. All right. I was employed by them. I was a manager at, at, at one of them. And when I wound up uh, going independent, I went to an independent broker dealer thinking I had full flexibility. Um, and then I had a situation where a client wanted to invest almost a million dollars into a product that I thought was a perfect fit for what he wanted. Right. Mm -hmm. And my firm refused it. They said, no, no, we're, we're not. We're not going to let you do that. <laughs> and they said, we've got plenty of other we've got plenty of other products you can recommend to them. I said, but none of them are as good as this one. In other words, they didn't have the same guarantees. They weren't offering as good of rates, as good of terms as this other one that I found. And they refused. And that's when I had, I said to myself, well, I can either recommend something inferior to them that I think is inferior, or I can quit and I can start my own shop. So I made the decision to quit and start my own shop. And that's what I did. And I am, I am personally, I believe you need to put your clients first. And if that means changing your employer or quitting your job, that's what you got to do as an advisor. And so obviously that's my personal opinion. There's a lot of folks that are perfectly happy with their advisor at their, you know, super huge multi-billion dollar institution. And that's fine. If it works for you, I, I wish you the best of luck, but just understand what you're dealing with and who you're dealing with and what licenses and qualifications they have. All right. I think it's important to know if, if your stockbroker is licensed for insurance products, if he's telling you to avoid them. And I think it's important to know uh, if your annuity saleswoman is licensed for security products if she ever tells you to sell your stocks to buy an annuity because if she's not licensed for securities she just made an illegal move Oof, all right yeah. so be really careful and make sure you know what license that they have so you know what they're qualified to talk about and what they're legally licensed to talk about right and uh, so i mean again that's not, that was kind of fun huh we had a little bit of a little family <laughs> feud going on right you know what that brought back brought back so many memories of when i was a, when i was a kid with uh Richard Dawson and well, the old family feud. So Richard Dawson started it. Steve Harvey's doing it now. 
Do you know who was there between Richard Dawson and Steve Harvey? Mm, oh, my gosh. No, I don't. I so don't. I'll, and again, this one was bugging me. I had to look it up. Ray Combs uh, followed the Richard Dawson, followed by oh. Louis Anderson. Oh, my gosh. Really? Richard Carn, member from, uh, from Tool Time. Yeah, right? yeah. And uh, okay. John O'Hurley. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. And finally, I'm... Steve Harvey. Oh my gosh! You know what? I I kind of I kind of I don't know. I went someplace and I missed all those all the other ones in between. <laughs> yeah, I remember Louis Anderson, and I know Ray Combs is a bit of a tragic story. He he uh, died by suicide, uh, oh basically because he didn't think he could live up to Richard Dawson. Is is what oh, is the story that I read? Oh wow, that's terrible. It is terrible. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I I you know yeah that that that's a whole no, that's a whole deep issue. Uh, um, but I. <laughs> You know, it uh, it's too bad. It's too bad. I, yeah. I remember studying studying suicide when I was in college, and and I I thought, and this is way you know, almost forty years ago, and and uh, unfortunately, not much has been done about mental health in this country. Oh no, I I completely agree. You know, you know, and yeah. and it's definitely something I think I think I, I think we could solve a lot of problems if we paid more attention to mental health issues. I completely agree so. with you there, uh, Kevin. Um, uh, SilverleafFinancial.com is the website. And uh, again, so let's, uh, all right, we haven't talked about what's going on, you know, in the market a little bit maybe. And, and uh, we did mention the Fed uh, and maybe what they might do, maybe what they won't do. The last few minutes, yes. let's, uh, let's break it down. Let's see what you're thinking. Well, I tell you, I tell you what, we, um, you know, the inflation numbers, as I mentioned earlier, the consumer price index uh, is one of the most widely followed ones that came out, and it was in line. It was actually it was actually decent. It was below five percent, which was where consensus was at. Uh, a lot of the big banks, like in this case, J.P. Morgan, actually had forecasts. They thought it would cause a little bit of a rally uh, in the stock market with that with that number coming in. They actually, you know, they handicapped it, so to speak. And um, but we didn't we didn't see actually we saw Nasdaq rally a little bit because we had good news from some of the tech companies. Google had a good announcement. You know, they unveiled the latest, uh, some of the latest gadgets um, and they reassured people that, you know, hey, we're not, you know, we're aware of the whole AI thing. Okay. Um, Because there's been a lot of rumors about artificial intelligence platforms and how Google was in a really strong position. But there were a lot of people that were worried um, that they were just kind of sitting back and not and not uh, pursuing it as passionately as as they thought that they should. And so Google reassured everybody. Um, and so NASDAQ has actually been holding up and doing a little bit better than, than some of the other companies. Uh, and that's true for the year as well. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so, you know what it makes me do? It makes me, it, I'm, al I'm always questioning. And, and my wife said, my wife says, sometimes it's like, I've got multiple personalities <laughs> and mm -hmm. I sell, and I say, well, that's cause I, I try to look at when I've got a problem or I'm trying to look at an issue, I, I try to look at it from various angles. I don't want to, I don't want to be stuck with tunnel vision. I don't want to look at every problem from the same mindset as, as let's say politicians. Right. Okay. I don't want to be that way. I want to look at everything from as many angles as I can, because I don't, I want to do my best to come up with the best decision, right. And make the best advice that I can. And so when I look at these issues and I look at what's going on in the market, I say, you know, we have got so many people that are being so negative. And it started with Mike Wilson at Morgan Stanley. He's one of the head, head of some, I don't know, he's a head of research or something. He's one of the you know, grand poobah yeah, at Morgan right. Stanley. Yeah. All right. And, and he's very widely followed, widely respected. He's been calling for this market to, to crater, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 months maybe. And, and, and so a lot of other people started to get on that bandwagon, meaning a lot of other strategists, a lot of other writers, uh, a lot of people that follow the stock market that are supposed to be experts. They, they've basically gradually all come over to his side of thinking, saying, this market's got to go down. And Morgan Stanley was saying, 
I think they said their base case was for the S&P to go to 3,600, uh, which right now it's at 41, yeah, 41 and just over 4,100 right now to keep it simple. So basically a 500 point drop in the S&P, which would be, what's that? 12, 13%. Yeah. Uh, that's what they call their base case. Their bear case was more like 3,200, which is another 12 or 13. So basically what's that roughly 25% drop from here. Sure. Um, and so what he's looking at is the, the, they're trying to figure out they're anticipating a recession. They think the recession is going to be worse than is anticipated right now. And they believe, and I'm talking about uh, Mike Stanley at, uh, Mike, sorry, Mike, Mike Wilson at Morgan Stanley. Um, they believe that a lot of companies are going to have to reduce their earnings estimates that they won't make as much money because of this upcoming recession. And because of that, they think the market has, has considerable downside. All right. And so, so many of them have come out now saying the same thing that it forces me to come back and say, all right, if I'm going to be a contrarian, that means I'm a bull, right? If I'm being contrarian at this point, the market has gotten very, very bearish, very bearish. In fact, I mean, it may be as bearish as it's ever been. And yet the market has gone higher in the face of all this. And so then I say, you know, maybe the smarter move is to go is to jump on the other side of the boat. I don't know the I don't know the answer. Nobody knows the answer. All right. But right now, that's what the market is anticipating. There's a lot of people saying sell in May and go away, which is where we're at right now. Yep. Right. Come back and look at it six months from now. That'll probably be a better time, they're saying, because the theory is that the, uh, you know, the time, the good time to invest historically has been after the first rate, I believe, after the first Fed rate cut. And so if we do go into recession and the economy slows, that forces the Fed to cut, that may be a time to be a buyer. The question is, where, what level of the market be at that point? So let me break it down and just put it this way. If you're a regular investor, meaning you put money in a 401k, you're saving money every paycheck or every month or whatever it is, keep doing it, please. Keep on doing it. If we do see a big drop, meaning you know, 15, 10, 10, let's say 10% or more, start buying. And best thing to do is to increase the amount you're buying and investing in. If the market goes down another 10%, increase it even more. All right. That's what I personally will be doing. That's, I think, the best strategy. Uh, there's no way of knowing if, we're, if we can go up or down 10 or 20% at any point in time. But if you're a long-term investor, stick with the plan. And when prices go on sale, take advantage of them by buying more. Absolutely. And again, I think you said it, though, stick with the plan. In other words, if, if I'm a client of yours, you've got me laid out and uh, you know, you've got me on the right track, I'm just going to stay there and do what that, I'm told. <laughs> that's exactly what you need. To, that's it. That, perfect. That is perfect. Stay the course. Stick with the plan. You know, and, and if you think anything needs adjusting, then you need to talk to your advisor, have a conversation, see if you need to make any adjustments or give me a call. I'll be happy to give you a second opinion. There's no charge. Uh, there's no cost. There's no obligation. But at least you can get a second opinion to make sure that you're on the right track. Provided this for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment tax or legal advice. The covered material has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. There are risks associated with every type of investment vehicle. Please read the prospectus and risk disclosures thoroughly before investing. Insurance guarantees are subject to the insurance company's ability to pay. Neither Silverleaf Financial, Kevin Brooker, host, and guests are responsible for the usage of information discussed. Security and investment services offered through Silverleaf Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Please consult with an experienced advisor before making any investment decisions. Volatility in the market is a fact. 
What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise to create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today.